Hey everyone! Welcome to Plotting, a podcast about gaming, education, and everything in between. I'm Adam. And I'm Charles. We hope you remember to share and subscribe for new episodes every Tuesday. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we'll be discussing everyone's favorite topic from childhood, homework. Ah, uh, yes, homework. Okay, so... What is homework is maybe the first question we should explore. For those of you who have never been to school before, homework is like stuff that your teacher makes you do, but at your home or house. <laughs> and uh, it's a bit controversial these days. I don't know when you guys graduated and or if you're teachers or currently students, but homework, at least compared to when I was a kid, when I felt like it wasn't controversial, it was just a fact of life. It was like, yeah, school, home. These days it feels controversial. So Adam, can you tell us a bit about that? What have, have you heard about this controversy? Well, I have heard about this controversy, though. I think you're probably more well-versed in it than I am. But, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions around sort of what, like, if we think about this in the professional context, like, what is the work-life balance? Are we overstressing our kids? Should every topic have, you know, 30 minutes to an hour of homework? Or should it be a more holistic thing? Um, and... On, on some level, too, we're, we're discussing the value of is just like re repetition learning something that's highly valuable in the learning process, right? Which I think shows a major assumption for homework. For most, I, I want to say most homework assignments, and I assume other students, and uh, not other students, students will agree, a <laughs> lot of teachers tend to use homework for rote memorization or rote practice because... I don't know, is it we, we don't trust students to to learn novel or things or do larger assignments, maybe? Well, uh, that does bring up, in my mind, the idea of the flipped classroom, too, which is something we can get into a little later. But uh, Oh, 100 percent. Yes. Uh, in fact, on that similar vein, I do kind of wonder after we have this whole podcast, you know, is the quarantine is our current, you know, distance learning going to change how students and teachers and families, all the stakeholders, how they see homework? Um, Good question. No one really knows, right? Uh, but I do want to uh, flip it around on you. Like I said, I think you probably know a bit more about homework than I do at the moment. Uh, so what do you know about the controversy beyond what I explained? And what does it look like when you know, you're teaching or your peers and colleagues? How are, are you implementing homework? Okay, well, I mean... I the controversy, I think I most, I was first exposed to it, right, when we were in grad school. And mm -hmm. we definitely had to read several articles about it. And then you talk to certain teachers and teachers are very also, I'll, I'll tell you, people that aren't in the, edu you know, in the education field, uh, teachers are also very divided. You'll meet like, you know, old school teachers and they're very set in their ways. And they're like, you know, for a lot of reasons, maybe. But, uh, <laughs> and they'll give like the same homework or, or to every student or possibly the same work that they gave last year and the year before that and year before that. And they're very, and I think sometimes it works. There is some of these teachers and you're like, yeah, you guys always have crazy high, high test scores. And possibly it's because you have that rigor, uh, cause your kids are working, you know, like twice as much as maybe other students in a non-homework setting, possibly. Although we're going to, I hope we can go deeper into that. Um, and then, you know, there's new age teachers maybe uh, that either are redefining what homework means or reinventing like the idea of homework. And of course, teachers that just, you know, there are, I've read studies that are very anti-homework, very like statistically backed up that it like, if it does have a positive effect, maybe on, you know, test taking skills, right? Not even necessarily learning, maybe just on like certain like, uh, testable skills that maybe that are probably possibly lower priority than the emotional and social and behavioral health that like mm. I kind of imagine homework like attacking from the kids health bar after, after they go home um, so that's maybe my under, my initial understanding of the controversy and how does it look at my school uh, well before the before the shutdown Okay, and, and after the shutdown, it does look very different. What I would say generally, the best homework that we give out in my school is, is either project-based, which I can I hopefully can defend in front of our viewers today, and uh, what we call personalized, okay? So in that case, they're very like, ideally, students don't 
all have the same homework. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That seems like it would take a lot of work though. It is, but what I'll say for the personalized programs or the personalized homework is mostly they are, um, what do I want to say? Like computer programs. It'll be like, oh, you know, Khan Academy is maybe a good example of one. That's what something that most of the viewers will be familiar with. The idea being that if students are all at different parts of their math learning, it's very easy to, for a teacher to assign like these three students this one lesson and these four students this one lesson and these five students this one lesson. And then it's all like graded and tracked basically automatically, right? And Khan Academy is only one of like many programs. Mm. Um, so I would, I, I'm leaning towards, certainly my school district leans towards those being beneficial for students. Personally, I think I, I think it does work too. But maybe that's like my way of just having a, a middle ground. Like if homework's harmful, I'll just give a little bit. <laughs> or like, like I'll, I'll find some, <laughs> you'll get a little bit of your behavior, you know, mental health back and, uh, you know, try to move away from, I think, yes, we do try to move away from rote learning as much as possible. But it is, let's go on that vein really quickly. Are there things in education that merit rote memorization what like what in the field do you need to learn that way or not well, the one the one that jumps to mind for me and i think for uh, you know a lot of people is their times tables right uh, i think it's a, a pretty universal experience having to sit down with your times tables and running them through depending mm -hmm. where you are and what grade maybe up to 10 or up to 12 possibly even higher um i think most people would say they've had that experience. Um, so what do you think? Is, is that helpful? It's certainly the way we've taught multiplication for a very long time. I mean, you do need, I don't know, we might one day look back at this as old fashioned, but I want to say, I think you really do need the basic times tables in no modern American society to <laughs> survive, to do many different tasks. Uh, I would also, I want to add in spelling. I think Although spelling's maybe at the edge now, right? With so many vocal typing programs, you're just like speech to text, I mean, and then like spell check. Again, all these other English teachers are going to chase me down right now after having to say, are you trying to say <laughs> spelling is going the way of cursive? Say I it's mean, not so. is it, is that still, okay. Maybe what I want to go into is rote memorization, if it is necessary. I certainly think a lot of schools or teachers or systems overemphasize it like what is with as a history teacher i'm gonna say this what is with all my history teachers trying to make me memorize dates okay like or memorize speeches like insane now as a now that i teach history that that to me is like was just the most pointless thing i remember agonizing in i want to say fifth grade maybe and it, my teacher was like everyone has to memorize and give us give an identical speech right there's no improv in the middle of a, a memorized speech of the Gettysburg Address, or it might have been like the preamble of the Constitution. It, might, it was like some longer, like more difficult thing. And I was like, that was like an incredibly frustrating thing for me. And did it help me at all? And is, is that a unique experience? Did you ever have to memorize anything that now you can say, I'm an adult, that was useless? Um, well, that's an interesting question. I can't think of one from like an early childhood lesson. Okay. Uh, I did have a, 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 an AP world history teacher in high school who assigned us as extra credit, but we could memorize a speech from any one of the famous world leaders we'd studied. Um, and I memorized a speech by Napoleon Bonaparte in the original French. Um, and I can probably say that that was not a, a super relevant uh, enterprise. I certainly don't remember it uh, today, so. But did it get really you interested it? in history? Is that, how, is that how your teacher's gonna justify it? Where you were like, for a second, I felt like Napoleon. <laughs> I empathized. Um, I mean, that's, I've always been pretty interested in history, so I'm going to defer. Okay. We can, I'll we can say from that question. <laughs> okay. And like, so again, you know, I do think there are some things like, like as a history teacher, I never have my kids memorize uh, dates, like exact dates of things. Insane to me. Like what year did the pilgrims do the thing? And I'm like, as long as you know, like what I guess maybe is more important to me. And again, Maybe we should question this too. <laughs> but like, I kind of think it's important, like the relativeness, like what came from, do you know that the Revolutionary War, I, I mean, in, in the dumbest one, or like the large, do you know that it came before the Civil War? Do you know like even a fundamental understanding of that? Or like, 
perhaps more like, do you know that the Boston Massacre came before the Revolutionary War? So then you can start seeing mm. like one causes the other, one one leads to the other. But I still would never be like, what's the date of it, huh? And then when did the when was the first shot? And I I feel like a lot of tests, even in college, I want to say, don't in college, didn't you ever have classes that like way overemphasize rote memorization? Like I'm trying to think of a lot of multiple choice tests, for example. Hmm. Well, the main most of my colleges college classes assigned essays rather than multiple choice. Uh, tests. You went to a better um, <laughs> better classes than mine, then possibly. Um okay, okay. But we do kind of agree that homework can be good for rote memorization, huh? Is that is that controversy over <laughs> for the important yeah, things? We solved it. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So I want to I want to go back and dig in um, to something that you that we were talking about because uh, you said you know like rote memorization it can increase your your testable skills and it can potentially for stuff like multiplication or otherwise uh you know maybe it is it's the best way you just have to practice 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 um and then we were talking right and you were saying like do you need to memorize exact dates and i promise i'm getting to something here so what's what i thought you were going to say when you said do we need to memorize exact dates is because we can just google it oh okay oh Um, because to me, uh, I don't know if you ever got this, but I remember this vividly from many adults throughout my childhood. You know, if I asked, why do I have to do my math homework? Mm-hmm. I was not a per- I was an acceptable math student, but I never really enjoyed math for a long time. Not until like high school did I ever come to enjoy math. And so as a kid, I would always be like, why do I have to do math? Calculators can just do it for me. And mm-hmm. almost Especially a long like- division. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> almost the, the rote response that I would get is, well, you won't always have a calculator in your pocket. And now you, we do. We all have calculators in our pocket all the time. We have computers with access to the internet and calculator and all sorts of other things. And so, um, you know, is, is that rote memorization still necessary? Like does the mm. you don't have a calculator in your pocket argument hold up? Yeah, I mean... I, I do think that definitely anymore, cuts right? down like, the number of things we need to rotely memorize. And like anything you can Google in 10 seconds, is it worth teaching kids? Is it, or like worth teaching any, anyone to a degree versus, you know, the less testable skills, unfortunately, like critical thinking and like source analysis, which I've had some tests do. I, I want to remember like AP US history, like analyzing primary sources, but like what a niche skill back then compared to the, the preponderance of rote mm. memorization style you know, grammatical rules, spelling. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the algorithms that we had to learn. <sighs> so with that in mind, okay, I guess let's tie in our second subject before we go back, before we dive deeper into only homework. All right. So the question is, if we're like, oh, rote memorization isn't that important, possibly a lot of homework isn't that important, uh, and possibly... It doesn't work to some degrees. Like it's not even teaching you what you want. What about gaming? So to bring this in, what I want to say is we've both played games uh, where we've done the gaming homework. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're talking yeah. about, you know, we're in this context, right? We're thinking about homework as sort of being the, laying the groundwork, the, the, the very basic, like almost just learning from like the tribal knowledge that's available before you actually go in and play the game that's what we're talking about right yeah to me i'm thinking like independent researching of a game you know watching tutorials on it and uh i feel like those fall more into homework if i if i had to draw an analogy than classwork which i guess would be the equivalent of actually playing the game maybe especially like when you're playing like with your friends so like i was thinking you know when i was a kid we'd play like so many games uh Let's get started with Magic the Gathering. So Magic the Gathering, and there's a lot of fun parts of Magic the Gathering. This is, it's a card game, It's a uh, which I know you're familiar with, but for viewers, <laughs> it's a trading card game, still popular today. And, you know, you collect cards and you fight, usually a one-on-one situation. But my friends and I would play a lot, and that was, like, so much fun. And you'd get better, right, by playing with other people, maybe, like, talking to them about it. 
But I also felt like a lot of the fun of Magic the Gathering is by yourself. <laughs> is that weird? Like a lot of the fun of Magic the Gathering was like building my deck by myself. A lot of it was researching about cards. A lot of it was, you know, considering the cards, I guess. Um, <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. But actually, I do want to quickly make a distinction because Ooh. I think it's really, really interesting. You, when we were talking about, you know, homework at your school, you mm -hmm. said, we do assign homework. The best kinds of homework are project-based and individualized. Yes. And so here, right, we're talking about game homework. And immediately you said, oh, it's about like researching and it's all this like independent stuff. It's building the deck. But I would argue that there's also game homework that falls more into like the rote, like brute force level of homework. So, mm -hmm. you know, in a, like an MMORPG game environment where that like this is the grind, right? Everyone's many gamers are familiar with the grind. Yeah. Doing the same quest or killing the same enemy just like over and over and over because it's either really efficient for XP experience or maybe there's one particular drop, loot drop that you need from that like location. And so you're just going to like grind it out. Um, and in Magic the Gathering, you know, I, I don't think either of us has ever played competitively to this level, but there are at like at the top end players, as I understand, who will literally just deal like fake hand after fake hand as yes! they like, build their deck, basically to like grind out the impurities, right? To get it into like the most, the most, I guess, effective and just efficient formula for the mm -hmm. deck. The least randomized, despite the semi-random nature of the game, um, and so. Well, I do want to keep talking about you know, gaming homework and like, is it good? I think it's important that we also address like, there's these other kinds of gaming homework as well, and think about it from those angles. You made me think of. I just want to add one more to your list. Uh, yeah, Starcraft. Yeah. I played a ton of Starcraft and build orders, memorizing a build order, fine tuning it. So what that means is. You like play the same game. You're playing like almost exact same beginning of the game over and over. And you just like practice your timing, practice your timing, practice like doing this thing when this other thing happens. Ideally, like you're almost sometimes following a clock, honestly, like looking at a clock and being like, and now, and now. And it's, it's not objectively like, like if that was all the game was, it wouldn't be popular. But what, what makes that homework, especially because you, you could do it by yourself, like, like, you know, by yourself at night and then the next time your friends are on like that's that's maybe the payoff right is that you have a time to like flex those skills or to to help your team and mm. so what it sounds like we're saying though is that we kind of agree with gaming homework despite us having hesitations about you know non-gaming homework so but why is that then why why do we think it's more valuable with regards to gaming possibly is that what we think or just like based on our life experience. Well, I'll go first. I will, I'll say that overall, I do think that the project-based free form learning, whether that's in the classroom or in gaming is the more valuable type of learning mm -hmm. for the same reason that the grindy homework is less valuable doing the grind to get the like one rare magic item or perfecting your build order still doesn't mean that much if you don't understand like i guess the critical thinking component right Ooh, if you don't understand this is a great analogy. what you're doing then having a key like having one component down isn't going to get you there but i will qualify this and say that for true mastery some level of the, the grind is required. And I think an easy a comparison here is sports, right? Mm -hmm. Like people know of these stories of people who in various sports, right? Michael Jordan or um, you can tell I'm a big sports guy because these are just rolling off my tongue. But my point is that there are, are people who are sort of intuitive players at all things, right? And, and so they understand the overall shape of it on a level that instantly gives them this advantage. But even those people never reach true success without being willing to put in, you know, the 10,000 layups and, and the 10,000 shots and whatever, right? 
So that, that's that's where I'm at. I will say that while I do think project individual freeform learning is the best kind of learning, that it does need to be supported by a framework of practice and repetition. So here's the analogy. Let's let's draw a quick three-part analogy. In sports, being able to be aware of the whole field and make those critical decisions in the moments is similar to um, in a video game. In StarCraft, like, you know, actually reacting and responding and, you know, uh, making those decisions that can't necessarily be practiced rote memorization style, which is the equivalent, again, so the third thing that that's equivalent to is in homework or classwork, honestly, project-based learning or the type of learning that leads to, again, those like untestable skills, those executive functioning skills, which is like, uh, let's list some executive functioning skills really quickly. <laughs> Critical thinking. I should know these on top of my head. Uh, you know, like executive functioning, it's like, like your brain making decisions that are wise, but, and that's like the opposite of a rote memorized skill, right? Like the, um, okay. So then to finish the analogy, those three okay, yeah, yeah. are, we're contrasting to again, like practicing rote free skills, memorizing builders, practicing them and practicing memorizing times tables and spelling and other rote memorization. Um, which kind of sounds like what we're leading towards is <sighs> there are types of homework and that are especially good or especially bad in our opinion, but there's still, you need to do some of the especially bad homework. Do you, do you agree with that? There, there's some things that need to be rotely memorized and that the best way to do that is to have kids do it at home by themselves. I don't know. This may put me on the wrong side of, of history here with oh, this no. whole homework controversy, but I am going to say that the rote practice needs to be there. But, you know, I'll qualify it by saying, and this is where, you know, we can get back to the idea of the flipped classroom. Maybe the rote practice time doesn't have to be by yourself. You don't have to go home and grind multiplication tables for two hours alone. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, you do a quick video lesson where you learn the concept, then you come into the classroom, you maybe do like a hands-on demonstration where you're now practicing that skill, cementing that you have it down, and then you get into doing the, the, the grind of it, except now maybe instead of sitting there at your desk, with your multiplication sheet. The mad you. minute? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Um, uh, man, that's how much multiplication just gets grounded to you. I almost just shouted out the answer to five I know. I know. Because you did it that way. I have to win. Uh, I have to get <laughs> over 30 to get that gold sticker. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Um, so that's what I'll say, is the practice has to be done somewhere, but maybe there's a better way to implement it than just sending... Because that's not the fun part, right? Mm -hmm. The grind isn't the fun part. And there are people, and I'll bring you back to video games. There are absolutely people who are willing to just sit and do the grind. They will grind day in, day out. You know, like these are the people in MMOs with like 20 maxed characters with all with the like legendary full rep gear. and stuff. And you're like, what? Yeah. Who've like yeah. never done like a raid or like participated in a battleground or anything that would sort of be like the objective of the grind in, mm -hmm. in my mind anyway yeah. um and just like that i think with learners you absolutely you have people who are willing to do the grind because they're told it's important you know and so they will, are, will go home and they will do their multiplication tables until they got it and then they'll come back and and you know i guess those are the learners that have thrived under like the the old school style teaching that mm -hmm. you're talking about. And you, but how do we reach yeah. that other kind of learner? I would argue by flipping the grind, giving them the interesting stuff to do at home and then like, like on their own and in these short bursts and then doing the grindy part together with friends and in these like fun and imaginative ways mm -hmm. offers a, a way to bring them into the process that isn't there under the traditional model. And I think you're highlighting it's more than just flipping the classroom. So again, Flipping a classroom, for people that aren't aware of this, is 
Good. And the kind of new movement in teaching that didn't exist when we were kids, presumably, possibly because videos weren't as good back then or there's no internet. I don't know. But like <laughs> the idea of a flipped classroom is I get anything that is like teacher centered, anything that could be recorded into a video, you just record it as a video and you get your kids to do that at home. Cause then in the class, they're all doing like interactive discussions is a big part of it, but also like more interactive activities. Um, but what I want to say is I, I really like that the key focus of your argument to me isn't that like necessarily it needs to be a flipped classroom, but it's reimagining not the need for rote memorization, but how they do it. So like the mad minute, whether it's your mom at home, you know, timing you and you're doing, yeah, I got to memorize this. Or at school, you're like, well, we flipped the classroom. He watched those videos at home and now he's doing the mad minute here and with his peers around him still isn't maybe ideal when we can invent and like things have been invented right by now that other ways, I guess, of rote memorizing it, which um, feels like either a call forward or a call back to our whole gamification episode, um, <laughs> which doesn't ex possibly doesn't exist yet. And I definitely agree with that because like making them more interactive, making them more fun, like you can memorize things without grinding is what is my it's gonna be my argument there i'm gonna take a stand on that i think teachers we have a responsibility or educators or anyone maybe who's who's you know instructing others has a responsibility by now by here in 2020 we do not need to be mad minuting people when you can you can not not trick but kind of like get students to memorize things in more engaging ways and it's and it's more authentic too right like like you said like the kids that we're going to do great at the Mad Minute, we're going to do great at anything else anyways. <laughs> like, like they're just compliant or they're just, you know, hardworking or for whatever reason. So our real focus has to be on the uh, the grays, the, the, I don't know, what, 50%? The other percentage of students that it's a struggle and they really don't want to do this grind thing, especially because, you know, back to the MMO grinding, that's something they want, right? <laughs> like, they're like, I like this game. I've chosen this. And... Mm. In teaching, you know, you want to give kids choice. That's a big part. Uh, but certain things there aren't choices for in the sense of like, you have to memorize this times table. Like that, there's no choice there. And we can, we can like hide it. We're like, well, you could learn spelling first or times tables. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I have a choice. Uh, I guess the times tables. Yeah, you chose it. But realistically, like they don't have a choice, but they need to learn it. So, hmm. I do wonder... I'm going to sound like a really old man for a while. So get ready for the uh, old man yells at cloud portion of the we, episode. We should have a segment. It's like, douche, Adam's yell. <laughs> okay. Adam, it's the old a, guy. Some again. nice little animation going. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So here, here's my angry rant about the, the darn kids these days. Um, I do wonder if the grind is getting to be less acceptable with younger kids. And I mean that both in terms of the classroom and in terms of uh, video games. And I'll even apply yes. that to like people our age and just a little bit younger than us. Yeah, because and younger than us counts as too young. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Um, so, and I'm going to start here with video games. Yeah, I'm going to start with video games and then bring it back to the classroom. So... In gaming, right, there's sort of a trend in the AAA games market. So, like, the, the really popular, very large studio-funded Call games, of Duty. Call uh, of Duty, Overwatch, League yeah. of Legends, um, Fortnite. Fortnite. Yes! Yeah. We said that so, at the same time on my screen. I'm glad that we got to Fortnite because Fortnite, right, is sort of the epitome of my, my old man yelling thing. <laughs> I think part of what is so appealing about the, the style of games to a, a younger audience is that they don't require the grind. Hmm. Each match is self-contained. You can, you know, if you want to, like, play one round and just, like, totally goof off and, like, ha, 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 here I am with my friends, not caring. We're going to build, like, a giant walrus this time instead of playing the, like, shooting game. And then mm -hmm. the next time you want to be, like, all right, I'm going to try and really like be super competitive and, and win the game. You can do that very easily. And there's no real like sunk cost, I guess, to playing the games in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Now, if you compare that to something like, I would say it's sort of like, we were almost at the tail end, right? Of like the big like RPG, MMORPG wave. Um, I'm talking, you know, EverQuest, World of Warcraft. Um, and yeah, there are still yeah. MMOs and they still have player bases, but they're not like the like AAA titles anymore. And I would argue it's because the like younger audience isn't picking those games up because even when they do, they like play for a little while and it's like, eh, like okay, I played for like 30 minutes and now where's my like hard reset or like why haven't I gotten anywhere yet? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the classroom, I think this is showing too because I hear it from many of the teachers that I interact with, both in like the the K-12 education, but also professors are saying to me, like, it's so weird. I like the undergrads this year, they really aren't willing to like put in the work. Like if I, and and I hear this a lot about COVID, I have always had my assignments listed on my syllabus, but now the students aren't willing to go look at the syllabus. They need me to like load each individual assignment with its due date and stuff into Canvas as well. And so, you know, obviously there, there's a, a co-adjacence of factors there because the COVID and remote learning is an yeah. extraordinary circumstance for many people. But I, I'm going to stick with my old man yelling at clouds argument and say that these darn kids just aren't willing to do the grind anymore. They don't like, see the value of the grind. that's a skill in itself. Like, like yeah. the, the ability to grind or the ability to, to invest and like know that that practice, uh, the discipline, maybe is is like you're like so the mad minute exists and it's boring because you need to learn to do boring things plus you'll learn math (laughs) like both of those are important (laughs) skills to learn uh okay okay and i definitely see that it's great i never even i hadn't so i do want to say like man i'm i at the edge of that i was trying to think like playing league of legends when i so when i was growing up uh my friends they played like league of legends and hero or i want to say heroes of new earth these are both two one of them's dead now but one of them's they're living MOBAs, okay, which again, a MOBA is a style game that it's usually like a 5v5 team. It's like co-op, but also your versus another team. And you have like a single character. And like Adam was saying, to some degree it resets. Like, like you start and you you can mess around one round and then maybe the next round you have a whole new experience and it one didn't lead to the other. But I do remember a frustration of mine with League of Legends. This is why I ended up on Heroes Storm or Heroes of New Earth. But the game I didn't end up playing, my frustration was that it did have permanent long-term effects from playing a lot. Like they eventually capped out. It was only like you could you could get max level in League of Legends. And but before your max level, when you play with people that are max level, they would just be better. They would have the exact same characters as you possibly and just have slightly more damage or slightly more health or an ability you literally can get. And so my thinking. And maybe this is this can give you some empathy for those poor those poor new people. It was like, oh man, do I want to invest all this time into this game just to get good enough that I can even hold my own, that I can be like a person? Because before that, you're just like, oh, this noob who's just climbing the ladder. Like, is it worth all that investment to practice this skill? You know, is it worth it to memorize all these dates when I'm not going to take a history? What if I like don't take this history test again in the future? So, uh, but at least, you know, that's better than paying to win, I guess. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely yeah. better to pay than to pay. We both win. hate that. I will, <laughs> I will qualify um, as I think I played the League of Legends longer than you did. Um, and I will say it's interesting because I think some of what you're talking about is like the old like runes system and yeah. like certain summoners. They lost me. They'll never ha- get my business. Um, but they've actually done away with that entirely. Um, oh, because they because the yeah. children couldn't take the grind. <laughs> they could, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I, so my account has like tons of like currency in now too, because you got refunded for like all the oh. stuff that you had bought. And I had like seven pages of runes that I purchased, right? And with my like in-game currency that I grounded, so, grounded yeah, and yeah. saved for. And Summer so then nights. they were like, oh, by the way, we're getting rid of this. Here's like a billion currency back. And I'm like, oh. Now you can buy what? Cosmetics with it? Is that um, it? Just skins? Yeah, there's, there's not even a lot you can buy with that particular currency. Basically, I do like but... this new trend in gaming. This is a bit of a off top. Yeah, I love this new trend in gaming of so many games being, oh no, and this is me being 
the cloud, I guess, that you're yelling. <laughs> so many games being like, you know, equivalent games. Everyone's the same and equal. And you're right, like grinding in the past can't change anything and neither can buying it. I just love that so many games, I guess, want to say is are funded by just skins. Like, like it's crazy to me that that works. I, I mean, I get it. But I also like, I will never spend money on like a cosmetic skin. I'm like, oh, it doesn't give you an advantage. All right. Looks like I'll have $3 instead of no dollars. <laughs> and then like everyone, especially it's, it's always embarrassing when you get like good at a game too. And they're like, is he new? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I just would rather have $3. Despite this game, I have like a thousand hours or something. Um, wow. Okay. What can you, can we go into some, uh, back to the homework? Let's do an abrupt change back to homework. All right. The old Logic. man yells at cloud is over. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> what is, what are some of the best homework assignments from your childhood? Maybe I can rip off some ideas or our listeners can. Best homework assignments from our childhood. We're going to extrapolate wisdom from, from, you know, our own teachers who did this, you know, gave us, me and you, these assignments. Let's pass it on. All right. Well, this one's not really a... Uh... A childhood. It was a, a high school lesson. That count. Um, That's our childhood, man. How old are we that high school doesn't count as childhood? I don't know. You're older than me, though. I guess. True. Um, but so uh, this was a freshman year. So sure, we'll we'll say that's like a childhood lesson. Um, yeah. And what I really liked about this is, so we had read these three works, um, all in a similar vein. Um, and uh, I'm trying to remember exactly which ones they were. I think it was like A Pale View of Hills, uh, The Remains of the Day. This was for a, an yeah, English, like, literacy, Eng uh, you know, that type of class. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember the exact title of the freshman lit class in my high school. But, um, and there was another one uh, that I can't remember the title of. Anyway, um, sort of three works that all touched on like post-World War II Japan as sort of the central topic and like the effect that, uh, you know, like the, the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki had on like the the next generation of, of Japanese and like the soul of the Japanese people. Very like deep introspective works, probably on some level, maybe some people would say not appropriate for 14 years. But anyway, I love- What was life. your teacher's name? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So um, what was good so, about this homework? The ultimate assignment that we ended up being given was we had to write an essay. You know, doesn't sound that this interesting. Doesn't sound great at all yet. All right. Wait for it. One page essay mm -hmm. portrayed on anything but paper. Mm. And so it became this like art lesson almost. So uh, for mine... Um, I got an old picture frame and I got a, a mirror at the store and I broke the mirror um, and ended up sort of creating this essay that was like diffracted off the back of the mirror and almost like projected out into the front of the picture frame. Wow. And so as you tried to read it, uh, the essay, it was very difficult <laughs> to read. Uh, but I did get an A on the assignment, so apparently not impossible to read. Or my portrayal was or, just that good. Possibly, <laughs> um, he was like, this looks good. Or they were like, oh, this looks good. I can't read it. Oh, well, I'll just give them an A. This is <laughs> high quality. <laughs> high quality art. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, in the end, that, like, making that piece of artwork, as it were, had nothing to do with learning, like, English language arts. I didn't learn any comma rules or like grammatical skills um but i think in having to introspect like how am i going to portray this essay not just in the words of the essay but in like the physical portrayal of this piece it made me really think about the nature of, of the books that we had read in a way that i wouldn't have if i was just you know writing another five paragraph accordion essay mm -hmm. about where you know, paragraph one is about the first book. Paragraph two is about the second book. Paragraph three is about the third book. And here's my conclusion. Um, so, yeah, that's the one that kind of stands out to me when you ask, like, about favorite favorite homeworks. I'm sure I have more, but 
that's the one that jumped into my mind. That's a good one. Uh, and I want to say for mine, the best homework assignment from my childhood, I mean, best is so ambiguous. It's like, which one did I learn the most from or which is a memorable one? So let's begin mm. a segment of Charles bragging about something, something hilarious from his past, uh, which is <laughs> when I was in, I want to say middle school or high school, there was this one, I took an AP art history class once. And I think the teacher is good. I, if she's out there listening to this, I think she was a good teacher. I think so. I just think AP art history was, was a very rote memorization class, actually. Shockingly, you'd think, oh, an art, but it's because it wasn't an art class. It was like memorizing paintings and styles and artist names and dates. Oh my gosh, it might've been everything I hate now that I'm thinking about it as an adult. <laughs> but still, one of the best assignments I'd ever gotten was in that class because uh the 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 premise was it was like the art historian as artists and i believe this was possibly the last assignment we did before we took the ap test so maybe just like a yeah possibly like a blow-off assignment as like you're like ah oh, you're about to take the test take it easy do some art um maybe i'm trying to remember when it fell sequentially but i thought it was a really cool way um to get the class engaged. And I almost wish we had done it more frequently because it was really, there's so, it's so different uh, to make the art than to, you know, just study it, especially if you were doing like a particular style, what you're emulating. And mine, I ended up doing a maybe more abstract. It was like hilarious. I brought like a plastic cup to school and this is for like this month long art project. And what I did is I, as we went into the classroom that day that we were presenting, I filled it with dirt from like, like very obviously when we were in line, I remember, I think like everyone saw. And then I walked in the classroom with just this plastic cup with dirt in it. And the key was that I gave this whole like presentation about how it like represented art. And I, it was something like, oh, art is so subjective. It was very like, you know, I'm 14 and this is deep style uh, <laughs> thing. But my teacher gave me uh, a good grade on it. And I remember like, I remember like shaking as I presented it because it was such like a kind of like um like a brave thing for my child that I I would not usually do. I think I was more of a good student than that typically, but mm. it was like gutsy and I don't know. It, it was just hilarious because my friends were in that class and they put like a lot of effort in. Like some of them did like a whole art like an, a whole art project, and then here is me clearly with a plastic cup filled with dirt, just like like basically improvising why this could represent art and it's like transiency or it's okay the point is what i'm noticing is a theme between our our answers is art is art an amazing way to is that the best style of homework hmm. why would it be the best? Just is it just where art creative oh man but, yeah that is a but i do think i do think the creative um and art all right, like I said, I'm art-minded, you're art-minded, I'm preaching to the choir here, but here's the argument I'm going to make about why art is really good homework, um, and just good for, for humans in general. Art requires us to think in ways that we don't typically, because, you know, whether it's music, or pictures, a movie, anyone can, can look, or listen, and just move on with their life. But to actually extract value from art, you have to, you know, it's very much a, a what you put in is what you get out kind of mm -hmm. enterprise. Um, and I would say this is actually an epiphany I had relatively, you know, late in life. Because um, when I was younger, <laughs> um, when I was younger, my parents would take my brother and I, um, you know, if we went on trips, we would go go to like the museum of that town and we'd walk around the museum and I was always so bored I didn't understand how can you take this long to walk through the exhibit like it's not that hard you just walk and you look yeah. and walk and look like I've already it. absorbed that whole painting mother why are we still here exactly and you know maybe that's just something about being a kid but mm -hmm. I do think that you know it's I'll argue it's more to do with like immaturity in, in relation to art. You know, anyone can read the words on a page of a book, but to really think about that book and like what it means just takes that extra effort. Mm -hmm. um, and same thing with an art gallery, same thing with, you know, so that's why I think art is good homework is because it requires you to put in the critical thinking. 
yeah and that's and getting back to our like grind versus project slash individual style art requires us to engage in like the individual style learning because there's it no is, grind yeah. to art like it is personalized in that sense and it's not mm -hmm. uh it's not googleable right that's something that hopefully you're picking up skills from that you couldn't possibly unless you plagiarize i guess <laughs> but um <laughs> I do think that, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, when, when I was younger too, I had the very similar experiences. And now that I'm older, I do enjoy art more. And is it A, because I'm choosing to go there? Is it B, because I have more context for like the, the time period or the art style? Is it, hmm. But yeah, project-based, I guess, art-based is definitely where I lean towards with my own when I'm giving out homework. Uh... Where else should we go with this? I don't know. Uh, do we want to wrap it around to, you know, sort of our recommendations for homework, or where do we think? Sure. Where? What is? Future? What is our takeaways and suggestions? I guess based on our discussion today, based on our experience of games, especially. Mm -hmm. And you know, what do we see as the future of homework? So, what are some takeaways you have? Well, All I right. think. <laughs> I see why I always go first now. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think to me the single biggest takeaway is that learning about anything is very much a what you put in is what you get out kind of enterprise. And so, you know, in the classroom, there's a, a lot of conversation about like intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation and all of this stuff. But, you know, I think if we look at games, we can see that providing ways for people to get intrinsically motivated is just, you know, that that's it. That's everything. As soon as you can spark that, that spark within someone and then they go off and do the work on their own, mm -hmm. you know, the kid who goes and like does the art project is going to learn so much more than the kid who goes and writes a five page essay. Like, that, so that's my takeaway is that the critical thinking is always worth it. And I'll extrapolate it to games here by saying that I truly do believe that, you know, in many games, knowing the, the critical thinking will allow you to be better than the grind. Like mental flexibility and... Um those sort of skills i feel like yeah like, like thinking of alternative ways to to mm. overcome challenges you know um and to plug one of my passions uh it's part of why i think dungeons and dragons is one of the best games and just like tabletop role-playing games where you're not interfacing with a computer or like a totally strict set of rules that mean you can only take so many different actions um is because it unlocks you to like come up with that freedom and think about you know how would i actually approach this instead of like okay i'm playing a computer game so i can attack once every second so i'm gonna stand mm -hmm. in front of you and hit with my sword and then you're gonna hit me back with your sword and then i'm gonna hit you again with my sword um so that's my takeaway my big I mean, takeaway what about you yeah like the game you're talking about at the very end to me the biggest problem to solve there is like maybe min-maxing and that's it and that's why the flexibility that Dungeons and Dragons or you know other tabletop RPGs tend to give you is fantastic to me and you know we used to have a professor who said that like art is problem solving and really pushed that you know math is actually one of the easiest things to to integrate with art which I think is controversial for other teachers uh who haven't you know thought about it maybe and it's like I really agree with that now. To me, that those skills you gain problem solving, isn't that like the real skills we want the kids to have short of, I guess, maybe memorizing times tables, but like problem solving, critical thinking, things that wrote you could never wrote memorize. There's there's no build order <laughs> for for critical thinking, I guess. Unless it's like really abstract open questions, maybe. You're like, this is a good source. <laughs> um well, I think you know. It extrapolating like the starcraft thing right mm -hmm. um never was a big starcraft player myself but from what i understand like you could have a perfect build order you could you know you could be pumping out two more times more units than your enemy but at the end of the day 
uh, if you're like micro skills and your ability to actually like go over to the battlefield and take command and see like, oh, they're coming in with like, again, forgive me, StarCraft fans. They're coming in with heavy troopers. So I need to counter with my, uh, my flying troops because heavy troopers have advantage over my infantrymen that I have on that front currently. Um, you know, I think players with that kind of skill can, can pull off these like upsets, I guess because they understand the shape of what they're doing and they're, they're thinking about it critically. They're not just plugging like, okay, I have produced 800 Zerglings in the last eight seconds. Now just go, Zerglings, go attack. Um, <laughs> I mean, 100%. I'll just, I'll just issue my, my I do think we need to show you photos Starcraft of Starcraft units and I'm going to have you make up their names. You're like, Flying Worm Spitter. <laughs> Needless. Is this, this is that version of like the, the mom who sees yeah, pictures yeah. of Pokemon and picks out their name. What would you call this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do think staying on the same StarCraft thing, I, I matured as a player in StarCraft and a very uh, a turning point for me was when I started scouting enemies' bases because when I first did StarCraft, I was very rote. I had a great I had a good builder and I didn't know any other ones really. So it didn't, I didn't really bother scouting because I'm like, I don't care what you're doing. I'm doing the same thing no matter what. And like, you could tell There's when no I got- There's no counter to this yeah, yeah. play. <laughs> I mean, even it's if there was a counter, the, the point is I didn't know any other way to do it. So like, but until I pushed myself to scout, to try to respond to what they're doing, you know, inventing new build orders on the fly or de developing and learning new things, new, uh, new styles of playing, I didn't really improve as a StarCraft player, right? I like you couldn't really climb up a certain past a certain point, even with like the perfect single build order. And uh, that was a big lesson for me, I think, when I was younger. And I hope I applied that to other to, to my real life learning because <laughs> definitely it, I think it leads to, you know, learning to learn is maybe the best thing you can get, one of the best things you can get from homework or from video game homework, if, running with that analogy. Yeah, I think learning to learn is one of the most important skills anyone can have in life. So. Yeah. Okay, that is our show today, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, you know, right. Don't forget we hope to we like catch you next and week. subscribe. That brings us to the end of today's cast. We hope you had fun, learned a little, and join us next week. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes each Tuesday. You can also find us on social media at Plotting Podcast or on our subreddit, r slash Plotting Podcast. Mm -hmm.